0: Again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you to please. Be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content, not just the Frontline with Joe and Joe. So you can listen to us anywhere. Um, And we would also ask you to follow Joe and I, if you don't mind, on social media. You can find us at the Frontline TV or the Frontline with Joe and Joe, primarily on YouTube until we are... we get ourselves away from them. We're kind of stuck with YouTube, but nonetheless, we're trying to get the message out there. Um, so anything you could do for us in that regard would be greatly appreciated. And as always, we appreciate your prayers. And today we are welcoming back a friend of the show, Charles Frawny. And we're going to be discussing his book, Slaying Dragons. You want to talk about a Catholic conversation? You got one today. Um, and Charles. Uh, the book slaying dragons and we're That's, you know, what we're going to be discussing is available at RetreatBox retreatbox.com. And also you could buy it on Amazon. We'd love for you to buy it on retreat box. Um, that's the best way to do it. We don't want to put money in Amazon's pocket, but nonetheless, if you, if you have something and you uh, you're buying and you can add in Charles's book on Amazon, that would be great. Um, and I just, uh, some of you might remember Charles from our previous conversations. Having said that though, I do want to give a brief, Bio. Charles Forney was the founding theology teacher of Christ the King Catholic High School in Huntersville, North Carolina, and was a theology teacher there for 10 years. He now works full time with his Slaying Dragons apostolate, writing and researching on topics related to spiritual warfare. He has a master's of arts in theology from the Christendom College Graduate School, as well as an advanced apostolic catechetical diploma. He's the author of Come Away by Yourselves, a guide to prayer for busy Catholics, Swords and Shadows, Navigating Youth Amidst the Wiles of Satan, and the international best-selling spiritual warfare book, Slaying Dragons, What Exorcists See, and what we should know. He's also completed a much requested study guide to slaying dragons that serves as a companion book and spiritual warfare manual called Slaying Dragons Prepare for Battle, applying the wisdom of exorcist to your spiritual warfare. He lives in the Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina with his wife and four young children. Charles Frawney, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back.
0: Absolutely. We're glad you're here. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello.
1: Charles, we always start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin, of virgin's our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful, O mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Son Spirit, amen. <laughs> Well, Charles, you're in the company of uh, a select two, mm-hmm. you and Adam Bly are the two laymen that we've talked to and we're about to talk to you about exorcisms. I think it's interesting. And I, I want to ask you, as I did, Adam, I mean, as a layman, what got you interested in that? I, obviously exorcisms have co- you know gotten a little bit more, I guess, Catholic uh, attention with Gabriel Amorth. You know, he was, you know, pretty famous guys written a couple books, a couple documentaries, obviously the movie, the exorcist with Linda Blair, but that's kind of a Hollywood uh, gimmicky, you know, picture about exorcists and exorcisms. How did you as a layman get into it?
2: Yeah, well, first, I'm glad you had Adam Bly on your show. He's been a, a great resource. I've read his public book that's available for, uh, for everybody um, and listened to a lot of his presentations. So I'm a big fan of Adam Bly. Um, so for me, um, it began uh, with a desire for a deeper conversion which is, is perfect. It's all divine providence in my, um, from my perspective, how I got into it. I didn't seek it. It had always been, cause I was a seminarian for a while. I wanted to be a priest a long time ago. I've been married for uh, 10 or 11 years now. I gotta do the math. Um, but, um, I thought about, you know, being an exorcist when I wanted to be a priest, that whole idea, but I didn't know anything about it. Didn't, didn't understand it at all. But when I was teaching theology to get the Catholic high school, I think it was like the seventh year. I hit this spiritual plateau, as I always call it and I couldn't make any progress. I felt like i had hit a plateau and this was as holy as I could ever be. And I didn't like that, was not comfortable with that. I had not hit the point, the the high holiness I had always sought. So I was very frustrated, but that provoked with the help of some good priest friends in the area who were well-versed in spiritual warfare, provoked this really deep um, uh, spiritual renewal process that began with Exodus 90, 90 days of, What for me was primarily fasting. I ended up losing 20 pounds at the end of it, which was not something I needed to do. I was kind of dizzy, like I overdid it towards the end, but I was seeking something. Um, So that, and then this interior healing process that one of the priests led me through, which was devised, put together by some exorcists, um, and then an extra rosary a day. This big process, this big procedure that lasted probably uh, a total of like five months. And then at the end of, in the process, I was introduced to uh, Father Chad Ripperker, and then a book on um, a possess- an infested home in Pennsylvania, which Adam Bly was actually involved in um, decades ago. Uh, so he was in the book, just a cursory. Uh, so, that, so all of this talk about what demons can do, I listened to a documentary on the true story behind the exorcist movie. So I had never, even though I had a master's degree in theology, I didn't know any of this stuff. I felt just very ignorant and surprised at how little I knew, but I dove in after the spiritual renewal process. I dove into the teachings of exorcists, principally Father Chad Ripperger. That's how I began, just with his online videos and things. Uh, But it opened up so much, opened up so many questions, answered so many questions, questions I had had for decades. And then it also addressed real spiritual problems that I had that lingering from when I was a kid. I suffered from uh, major depression and a bad anxiety disorder in late high school or college about 20, 24 years ago, so it, it, it brought about real spiritual healing, which I didn't understand that I needed, but once it was happening, I'm like, wow, this is, this is incredible. It was like a third conversion, you know, a third or fourth conversion. We always have these little conversions along the way. This was, this was a monumental moment, and I took notes on everything I was learning, and I always liked to write, and then I just realized, hey, I'm putting together a book here, and there it was, <laughs> and, then I, and then I published it. Thanks be to God
0: yeah no thanks be to god is right and 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 uh i think it's important charles for joining us here at the front line with joe and joe people should realize a lot of a lot of people might think well why do i have to worry about that stuff i go to mass i pray the rosary um i uh you know i i, I try to live a pious life um there's a lot of traps out there though i i i think that that we're not aware remember if you're a faithful catholic you're a target you know, it's it's it sucks to say, but it's true. Okay, the Satan's not bo- Satan's not bothering with people he already has. He's trying to get people he does not have. Mm-hmm. And let's let's face it, uh, the, Satan is real. Okay, the demons are real. They're enemies of our souls, and they attack us in many many subtle ways, uh, which I'm sure we're going to get into, in the course of the conversation. But speak a little bit to that first. Why? There is there is a matter of personal holiness, of course, that's what we're called to and, and piety all right and the practice of the faith. but there is there, there are these protections that that we need. Um, and so we need to be aware of what we what we're protecting ourselves from. So talk, talk about that a little bit uh, Charles. the need to be, you know, I mean what did Peter say? Um, uh, be sober, be vigilant because the devil prowls around the world seeking for souls to devour. All right, that there's your warning right there. Talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind, Charles.
2: Yeah, and in that that verse, he says, "Resist him firm in faith." So it's when we are entrenched in our faith, when we actually believe that Jesus is God, is our Savior, is the Messiah, and have that as a living faith, a vibrant faith, the faith that's connected to His Church, and all the gates are open for the flow of grace into our souls. That's when we're fortified. But that's a lot of that's a lot of work. People think. You know, the, the Protestant heresy out there, one of the many that, that once saved, always saved, you know, you have this powerful experience and now, boom, you're good to go despite what you do. No, it, you, what you do matters. Your deeds matter. Your, the depth of your repentance matters. The intensity of your uh, acceptance of God's mercy and forgiveness matters. Uh, how willing you are to suffer for him, how willing you are to set aside time every day to pray to him. Um, not just in the morning, but all throughout the day, all these things matter, because we'll go to confession, if people sit back, uh, sorry, we'll go to Mass, but if people sit back and think about their their spiritual life, what they feel at Mass when they receive Holy Communion, are they, you know, or are, are, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll all admit there are blockades, there are obstacles in our soul, there are things thwarting the flow of grace, and that we don't want, so so there's, there's all this extra effort, those the anything that's thwarting a flow of grace that's prohibiting us from becoming holier and holier is an opportunity for the devil to push us backwards. If we're not going forward, the devil can easily pull us backwards. If we're not desiring to move forward in holiness, then the devil already has convinced us about something, some lie. We've already believed it. He just has to add to it to wind us back towards him because he ha- he has his hook in us. One one demon and an exorcist, I guess it was, I think it was Lucifer, had said that original sin is the mark the mark that they have put on every human soul and it's the the way they claim us they think they have a right to us because of original sin because of the fall of adam that we all share in that so the devil's never going to give up and we have to keep running 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 not simply away from him but deeper into the sacred heart of jesus and if we're not running deeper into his heart then we're vulnerable
0: absolutely charles forney joining us here at the front line with joe and joe we are discussing his book slaying dragons and this is a conversation that catholics need to hear and go and read the book um it, this is this is one of those things that we we you know people like to think like joe mentioned the exorcist like some hollywood movie no 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 the spiritual battle is real as catholics this is not new teaching this goes back 2,000 years jesus cast out demons so did the apostles demons are real enemies of our soul are real joe racinello where do you want to go
1: I just want to comment on something you said, Charles, that I I, first of all, I want to commend you on on what you did, because to be honest, um, you you found you were getting a little stale and and you basically went into the desert for five months. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I think that's important to know. Um, because you know it's easy to get stale. I find myself, in, you know, we all have our practices that we all do. You know, we pray certain prayers every morning. We pray the rosary with our our spouse. Um, go to confession. You know, all the good stuff. But sometimes, like even I find when I pray my rosary, or I read my prayers in the morning. It it just becomes words. Like like it's like not that I'm not saying I'm not getting at anything out of it. That would be a lie. But you have to sometimes it's like an athlete or someone who lifts weights you have to like shock the muscle and that's what you did and mm-hmm. i think that's important to emphasize for our listeners sometimes you have to do that not like insanity we're not talking about like whipping yourself or like anything you know you know like you know you see in the movies that's not what i'm saying but like a fast, um, you know, something where you're a little uncomfortable emptying yourself. That's how you move forward. I want to just say that because I don't like, you know, it's easily, you know, people could just miss that. But I think what you did, I commend you for it. Because as a father of four, it's easy to kind of just get into your ruts of just doing certain things every day, because that's what we do as dads. I mean, let's be honest. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to talk about is basically what we're talking about, which is exorcisms. How did do- did some of the great exorcists like amorth and Rippingager and influence you i mean they're famous guys they rip uh, my wife recently read the book dominion by father chad i mean um you know very very in-depth book obviously gabriel amorth uh how did they influence you because they have a lot to say they're very smart guys particularly father chad i mean he's off the off the chart smart
2: yeah i think um so I had read some books by Father Amorth in the past when I was in my seminary mode, as I call it, um, when I was in my twenties, my forties now. Uh, but it kind of—I uh, didn't have the way to understand it, which you know, I didn't have my master's then. I was pursuing the priesthood, so maybe it was just a lack of deep catechesis. I had had a big conversion just a couple of years prior, so perhaps that was it. I didn't have the intellectual capacity to really absorb what Father Amorth was saying in his book. So. It, kind of went over my head and i think that might be a problem with a lot of people they don't know what to do with the vocabulary with the the information with the imagery with the teachings that exorcists would will tell them in videos and in books uh, but father ripperker when i got to his i was i was primed i was ready i was on just on the other side of that five month desert experience as you put it so it made sense it was clicking plus he had he has a, this authoritative mannerism as you uh, yeah. anybody who's seen his videos it's he's fun to watch it's fun to listen to. He's very intellectual, very smart, and that kind of earned my trust, and I, I just, I let him teach me. And I think that's important. When we, when we let the church, you know, he is not the church, he's just, he's a priest who's he's very well trained. But when we let the church teach us, and we're like our mother, and we're open, we open our mind to what's being said, you can always back up what a priest says, just look it up, get the catechism, get a, another theology book. Um, But that really goes to the heart, goes to the depth, and we allow it to change us. So, and what they said, like I was mentioning, what Father Ripperger was talking about, because he was the first one I really studied, it was real when I applied what he was saying to my prayer life, to my spiritual life, my practices as a father, um, to my my use of sacramentals, and to my, the way I looked at confession, it it had an impact, everything changed. Like there was power, that it was untapped power in, even in confession, and that was a big, that makes a whole other story. Like I went to a confession uh, about, I don't know, 10, 12 months later after starting to learn this. And because I was going to confession differently, it had a big impact and God was able to deliver a special grace to me that I needed for healing. Uh, so I think, I think that's what it is. Like what they're saying is real. And if we apply it, it actually brings concrete, tangible changes. And that's what
1: I saw. I want to just uh, mention something, what you said. I think it's important. You're talking about allowing the church to mold you and your conscience. That's why the church is there. You see, there's a phrase out there, which I can't stand, or is primacy of conscience. That goes absolutely to the other side of the spectrum, to what you just said. You allow, you're teachable. We have to be malleable to the church. And this is what is not taking place. The world is not supposed to influence us and the church. The church is supposed to influence us and the world. And it can if we allow it. And that's what you just talked about. Another thing I hope our listeners pick up from what you're saying, the church knows what she's saying. I'm sorry to cut you off, Joe. I just wanted to emphasize that because it's so important.
0: No, no, it's 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 extremely important. We need to know these things. That's why I mentioned earlier: be sober, be vigilant. But you've got to have your eyes open, uh, and you've got to know exactly what sort of battle we're in. Now, speaking of battle, Charles Frauny, um So, Catechism 409 basically lays it out: it says all of human history has been a history of a dour combat between man and the forces of evil. That's what it's about. That's why Christ came to deliver us, you know, and liberate us from sin and death. We pray it in the our father, deliver us from evil, okay? It's all around us. But you got to be able to see that. Now, exorcists like uh Father Ripperger, Father Amorth, they they kind of they they have that sight, okay? They they can see beyond the veil, so to speak. What is the veil? That they're seeing beyond, okay? And why is it important, Charles Frawny, uh to be to, to to listen to 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 listen to them um, so we can understand exactly what's going on?
2: Yeah. So in my book, at one point, um, I talk about how to discern. I think it's in um, something we might talk about as well. How to discern whether it's a temptation or our own thoughts. And one exorcist said it's impossible. It's almost impossible. God can reveal it to you. If you're really well trained spiritually, I think you can tell. But for most people, it's almost impossible to tell if a demon's tempting you or if it's your own thoughts. And that's that veil that the, there are completely invisible spiritual realities working right here, right now, every day, everywhere in the world. And we, we can't see it. We can't feel them, we can't sense them in any way, any of the senses, they can't pick up on it. So that's that veil, that there's a whole world, a whole reality, a whole dimension, so to speak, that we cannot see or sense, but is completely interacting with us in very powerful ways. Powerful negative, powerful good. God and the angels and the saints are interacting with us in a very powerful way for good, but we can't see it, Uh, we can't taste it or hear it. So, but one thing that what I like to use the expression that exorcists see beyond the veil, they see beyond the separation where the invisible starts to manifest, not just the demons in the rite of exorcism, but also God, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the angels, the saints. So it's, and that's one of the things that makes their teachings on so many things, not just sacramentals, but also the role of virtue, the role of grace, the role of confession, the, what the angels do, what the Blessed Virgin Mary does because they see all of that. Like when the rite of exorcism starts, the exorcist puts on the stole and splashes the person, the possessed person, let's say this person possessed in the the image now, splashes the possessed with holy water. As soon as the rite starts, as soon as the holy water comes out, the sacramentals come out, the demon has to respond. The demon is bound by the authority of Christ working through the priest, to respond. I mean, he can respond in kind of a subtle way not want to speak. There are different kinds of demons, but they have to start manifesting. They have to come to the surface. It's like fishing. I think one exorcist referred to it as fishing. You cast the hook in and you're going to catch the demon eventually. He may run away from that hook, but there's bait there that he has to take, has to take hold of. Uh, so then when they can tell us like, this is how powerful holy water is. Here are some examples. Here are some stories. Here's what you can do with it. Same thing with blessed salt, blessed candles, blessed oil, blessed crucifixes, a whole bunch. I think the traditional Roman ritual has 140 sacramentals, if I remember hearing correctly, and most people don't know about any of them. Um, and the people who do know about a lot of them, like even myself, like there are so many that I'm still trying to research that have just fallen out of practice. But so actually, you do, teach us a lot about that.
0: Do you attribute any of that to to kind of like? I don't want to I don't want to pick on the Protestants, but it seems like Catholics, you know, kind of get. Protestantized to a degree they let you know when the, the criticism of the church is Oh, that's they do all those superstitious things and they have the statues and salts and oils whereas like well yeah yeah maybe the problem is we we, we let what the culture and particularly in this case Protestants influence us in that way when that's kind of a basic that like, like like all the things that the church gives us that are available to us including all the sacramentals you were just talking about no 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 those are not superstition those things, those things actually have an effect, have an effect. And talk about the centrality, Charles, as we are, but maybe go into it a little bit more. You've said spiritual warfare is at the core, the core of Christianity. Okay, um, but but talk about the need for Catholics out there to stop letting the culture in general, the the atheist secular culture, and also also what some of the things that Protestants say to, to 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 maybe influence us in a way that it should not influence us.
2: Yeah, I like the way you set that up because growing up in the South and um, North Carolina, it's very much the Bible belt. Uh, I remember when I had my conversion was discerning the priesthood, really understanding what it meant to be uh, Catholic about 20, 22 years ago or so. Um, in my mind, I was discerning voices, discerning uh, philosophies and labeling them in my mind, to try to sort them out and dismiss the ones that were wrong and very heavy in my mind for years was a protestant voice like you were saying that says all this stuff is superstitious you don't need it and just very confused like theology like faith works grace like because of the saturation down here you don't even notice it because it's everywhere it's ubiquitous Um, i'm not sure how much how it is um, up north but it is a protestant overwhelmingly protestant uh, country you could say with this this mentality it's it's so so pervasive Um, So there is that plus, combined with that, which I think we're going to talk about um, again later, so much to talk about, is the weakness of the modern church. The modern church does not want to ruffle feathers, does not want to cause alarm, does not want to seem superstitious, wants to get along, make friends, build bridges, all that stuff. But if you are dealing with a paganized and Protestantized country, then when you try to build bridges and all that stuff, you're going to lay aside all the things that the other party doesn't like. Which is all of our sacramentals, the the depth of the sacraments, the depth of devotion to Our Lady and the angels and the saints. But we need those things. Those are the powers because if you look at the wording of the sacramentals, most of them, I'm not a total expert on all the sacramentals, but most of them, lots of them, have a spiritual warfare element to the blessing because the priest puts a blessing on the sacramental, then that sacramental is animated, so to speak, by God's activity in that way, according to the words of the blessing. The words matter, and those words are anti-diabolical as i put it blessed salt blessed candles blessed oil crucifixes they all have this element of driving the devil away frustrating the devil uh, making us who wear these things repulsive to the devil so spiritual warfare is is embedded in the church's the the church's life the church's ritual uh, liturgies everything but it it's at the core of the faith itself because we see it, the first thing we know about adam and eve is the devil attacking them a the spiritual warfare Israel journeys up until the time of Christ through a paganized, demonically paganized world, fighting off, you know, different demons left and right, and trying to not be swayed by them, which they do so 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 poorly. Then, when Christ comes, the devil comes after him right away and tries to kill him as a baby, and then su- tries to kill him for the rest of his life until he's successful at the cross. Um, and then the Book of Revelation makes it very clear that the devil is waging war on all of the followers of Jesus, all of the other children of Mary. So this is this is our life is war. I mean, it's not always, you know, you can have happy days. You know, spiritual warfare doesn't make life dour and and um, not worth living. You know, we still be very joyful while you know punching the devil in the face and trying not to let him hit us. Um, but nonetheless, it's an ongoing war that we have to be vigilant and watchful about and ready to fight.
0: Yeah, you said it, brother. Charles Frontier joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe we were discussing his book, Slaying dragons, the retreatbox.com or Amazon is where you can buy the book. We love to support Charles. He's a friend of the show. We've had a couple conversations with him and this stuff is of the utmost importance. Joe Rasinello, we probably have a few minutes before the break.
1: How could the church do a better job in educating us on these things? I mean, uh, you talk, I, I listened to a talk you gave in North Carolina on YouTube and uh, I think the church could clearly do a better job in terms of educating us how could they go about that?
2: Yeah, well, it would uh, really start in the seminaries because one of the sad realities. Because I'm working on a new book, which I'll talk about um, before we finish, and I'm interviewing a lot of people, um, including exorcists and parish priests. And one of the things that everybody's saying is that priests are ill-equipped, very ill-equipped to deal with the modern surge in the occult. People getting into issues with the diabolical. They, priests are clueless; they don't know what to do, and often they're scared. So and this is in my book, Slaying Dragons, about the uh, the bishops being afraid, not wanting to appoint exorcists, uh, priests being afraid, um, even superstitiously afraid. They're afraid of the devil attacking them if they appoint an exorcist. That's what one bishop told Father Morth, I think it was. So and there's one story <clears throat> of a priest that I gave my book to, and he kind of dismissed it. But then a year later, he had a manif- encountered a manifestation of a demon, and then ran to his rectory and grabbed my book off the shelf and read it, and. Read it in two days and was overwhelmed by. <clears throat> forgive me, I was overwhelmed by how much relevant information was in there. And I don't take credit for it all as a research book. You know, I'm not an exorcist, but but it changed his whole priesthood. And he was he sent me an email kind of out of the blue, like, "Sorry, I dismissed your book. It was extremely helpful. Thank you, thank you so much. What can I do to help promote it?" So I think spiritual warfare teaching has to get into the seminaries. Priests have to lead, get ordained. Seminarians have to get ordained and it, at least be knowledgeable of what to do, what the reality is, how to discern possession versus just you know spiritual problems, psychological problems. They need to know certain things, and so many don't know anything. And they need to at least believe in spiritual warfare, believe the devil's real, active, how he's active. And this is, this is something could, that could easily be done. But unfortunately, we're still dealing with a lack of faith in the hierarchy, within the hierarchy of a grave lack of faith. I'm re- following this rabbit hole right now in my research for my new book about how deep the lack of faith goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it really is like, I don't understand how sometimes people could be so blind. You got a guy out there, one of these new world order types, right? I think his name is Harari, right? Yuval Harari. Okay. He's big with this great reset, all this nonsense. Either he has written a book or he's about to come out with a book. The title of it is you, Ye shall be like gods. now, the last time I checked Charles Forney, Satan is the one who said that. Okay? I mean, that goes back to Genesis. Satan is the one who said that. It's almost like you don't have to look far for, mm-hmm. for the diabolical. It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this guy is the devil, but he's certainly promoting a diabolical idea. Talk about the need to just in the last well, actually, no, let's go, let's go to a break. Let, let's okay. go ahead. But I wanted to make that point is that. Look, you know, maybe in the pale or, or the, the demons, the devil, they attack in many subtle ways. Like you said, we can't we can't see it with the senses. But sometimes those he uses, you know, they, they, they it's right up close, right in right in front of your face. Mm-hmm. And 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 like you, you think about everything that's going on around us. People suggesting boys could be girls and girls could be boys. Okay. And what you don't think that the devil has his hand all in that? And, and, and that's why we're here. That's why we're talking to Charles Forney at the front line with Joe and Joe, because these are the things that we have to be aware of. So don't go anywhere. Charles Forney's written a book, Slaying Dragons. We encourage you to buy it because we're in a spiritual battle.
1: Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in. And let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Ricinello, with Charles Forney discussing his book, Slaying dragons on the veritas catholic radio network i just before i hand it over to joe charles just before the break i commented on how the diabolical right now is not so subtle anymore it's right in your face i mentioned this book coming out or has been out from this Yuval harari uh, uh ye shall be like gods uh all these ideologies these these false ways of you know uh, of looking at the world and those diabolical ideologies to comment on that if you don't mind charles
2: yeah, so the, the, like you said, the, uh, the world is saturated right now uh, with mortal sin, with uh, satanic philosophies, satanic groups. Satanism is out in the open, much more public. Witchcraft is out in the open, much more public. I survey some of the statistics in my book um, about how, like for one example is the number of Wiccans, which is just one kind of witch in the United States has um, exceeded the number of Presbyterians in the United States. So I don't know if that means the Presbyterians are tanking or witches are going up or both, but Monsignor Rossetti, other exorcists are saying that they're overwhelmed with people seeking their help, fleeing from the occult, from witchcraft, after having all these diabolical experiences. So the, the devil really is kind of taking off his mask. It's almost like with the 100-year the reign that Pope Leo XIII saw in the vision when he wrote St. Michael the Archangel Prayer. It's like that probably, you know, is over that hundred years. If it was a fixed hundred years is over, but the impact is tremendous. Just because the hundred year reign ended doesn't mean Satan's activity has stopped or slowed down. It's like he's trained half the world, if not more than that, on how to, how to worship him, how to reject God. And now it's just exponentially growing day to day, year to year. Uh, My, my new book, that's going to come out. I don't know when, next couple of months. Um, What's the title of
0: that book, Charles?
2: So the working title is uh, Slaying Dragons 2, The Rise of the Occult, What Exorcists and Former Occultists Want You to Know. So I've interviewed almost 40 people. People have left the occult, exorcists, parish priests, families impacted by it, and surveyed uh, documentaries and other things that are already out there uh, to show the occult is on the rise. It's everywhere. It's seducing people by very subtle means, drawing them deep into the occult, destroying their lives. When people try to leave, they, they get attacked by by demons it's tearing apart families in the small network that i have access to throughout the country which is decent but um still small the number of catholic families impacted by the occult is shocking like so it's encroaching like i have four small kids as we mentioned and my wife and i are now like you know how do we take our kids anywhere in public to stores to even to like a walmart pickup like the world is so weird now the world is celebrating perversion and inversion and boys dressing like girls. And like, I can't figure out what that person is and just tattoos, piercings everywhere and just odd behavior. Just the world is is crazy. The world is insane. And the more you expose yourself and your kids to it, the more vulnerable they are, especially if they're not fortified spiritually. But even psychologically, like it, how do they make sense of these things? How do you explain to a seven year old, eight year old about what? Uh, drag queens if they happen upon it you know even if they don't watch tv or anything if they go out in public at the wrong time the wrong spot they're going to see something really really crazy so it's it's hard to wrap your mind around it's almost so bewildering that people want to go into this like coma of disbelief and just pretend it's not happening kind of like what you were saying
0: well that's me well i'm going to hand it over to joe but that's that we allow ourselves to be distracted by so many things and all of us are guilty of that to a degree but to be distracted to the point where you become completely blind as to what's going on. All right. Like Joe Rusanello says on the show all the time, you know, leave aside politics. You, you, you know, messing with five, six, fives and six and seven year olds. All right. And messing with their, their minds. All right. Which are below the age of reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, grooming them. I know the left hates that when we use that word, but it's fact is it's true. That's what they do in public schools. Okay. Uh, You know, if you're distracted to that point where you don't see what's going on, well, that's why you need to listen to Charles Frondini and read his book, okay, Slaying Dragons, and understand what's going on. Catholic Church is trying to tell you, all right? Joe and Joe are trying to tell you. Charles is trying to tell you. We need to wake up. Joe Racinello, where do you want to go?
1: Well, I think, and we talked a little bit about this on the other side of the um, conversation, Um, people don't believe in sin, people don't believe in the devil, people don't believe in hell. And, you know... You could sometimes understand why, um, because frankly, they don't have spiritual eyes. I mean, the world kind of goes right past them, but saints have encountered the devil. I mean, to, 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 talk about two, uh, Padre Pio and John Vianney, um, they were physically and spiritually attacked and I'll be honest. And, and with the two of you, that's one of the things that keep me humble outside of just me being me. Uh, it's easy to be humble because I'm humbled every day, but, but in terms of, uh, I've, one time, I think I had a conference, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm interested in what you had to say, Charles, and why I say it keeps me humble is those men challenged the devil, and the devil wasn't having because Padre Pio wreaked havoc on the devil, and the same with St. John Vianney, and all the things that you know I try to do, and I try, I'm not attacked, and it keeps me humble, actually, because <laughs> I'm not threatening him. How's that if you think about it? And they did.
0: I would say, Joe, if he's leaving you alone, you might want to you might want to figure what you're doing wrong. no, but but uh, but you know, but in honesty, oh, if you I'm really serious? think
1: about it like that, um they challenged him and he went at him. But me, not so much, and it makes me think. But one time, I think he did. And I'm going to tell you both. I never told Joe Pasillo this. The first time I went to India, I had three flight legs. I bought it on cheaptickets.com. Never used that. I'm using their name specifically. <laughs> They're horrible. Anyway, my last leg was to go to Calcutta. And they wouldn't let me on the plane. They said my ticket was no good. And as... Any crazy Italian man from New Jersey, I got into a humongous argument, as as I only can in an airport, uh, and they still didn't let me on the plane. In fact, I had to buy another ticket, and then when I got on the plane, the seat was someone else's seat, so then I had to move, and I was sitting there next to this young family, and the woman's like, where are you going? And she's like, I was rattled. She's like you're going to I had to buy a new ticket. I couldn't get on the plane. I got into a huge argument with these people. I didn't sleep for 2 days traveling and I'm like I'm going to Calcutta. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. And fear surged through my body. I can't even call it fear. It was terror. And fear is not from God. And lo- and looking back at that, I went and I kept saying to myself. I was like Joe, you have to survive for three weeks. You have to, like, I'm talking to myself in my head. Like, you have to gather yourself. Like, terror. I only say that because because of that trip, a lot of good took place. Not just for me, but for others. A lot of money was raised. My parish sponsored a poor parish. Tens of thousands of dollars got funneled into that parish. That was the first trip. And the devil wasn't having it. And that I look back at that and I said, he went at me like a rabid dog terror. I can't even say I was afraid. I was like, literally I'm drinking a Red Bull on the plane, which wasn't helping. But I'm like, you got to of yourself. You got to survive for three weeks. What are your thoughts on that? Because uh, looking back, I, I honestly and also what I said about how the devil, if you're not like challenging the world and really going deep, maybe you're not for scaring him you know what i'm saying because he's a serious dude and if you're not being serious he doesn't want any. he's not going to mess with you i I, i'm interested charles in what you have to say on both fronts on that i know it was long with (laughs) but i'm a crazy italian man i'm long wind i can't help myself
2: (laughs) (laughs) no that this your story makes perfect sense i mean that's what uh first thing that made me think of it your description of the terror like um I read through carefully the rite of exorcism um, about a year ago and like took all these notes and wrote some articles and I pulled a lot of stuff. And all throughout it, the church labels the devil with these names, with these titles. And almost all of them are pivoting around Terrorizing us, that he strikes terror inside of us, and to cripple us with fear, so that that attack that you felt right there makes perfect sense as a, a diabolical surge to cause to strike terror, I and mean, it makes perfect sense. Plus, you try to thwart a really um, charitable, salvific, Catholic effort, and he can do. So, so diabolical oppression would be where he he manipulates things in the in the world in your world. So like the tickets, someone's in your seat. He can mess with technology. He can he can rearrange things, um, confuse people in order to attack you and come after you. And then that final one was just like a spiritual attack right at the end, just to finish you off if he could. So that makes perfect sense. Um, and then uh, yeah, there was one one time that combining something we were just talking about a minute ago and then this 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 event. I before I maybe a year or two before I hit that spiritual plateau. I need to check my journal. I used to keep a journal almost daily for about 12 years. Um, but I think it was real close to that spiritual plateau, which launched me towards researching the book. I had this dream, or I woke up in the middle of the night and sensed that the devil himself was occupying a room in our house in like the middle of the night, 2, 3, 4 AM. I'm not sure what it was. And my reaction was, uh-oh, I better not be too holy I better back off on the pursuit of holiness or the devil's going to come after me. And as soon as I thought that, I recognized the thought and how idiotic that was, how, how dangerous and weak that thought was that if I become too holy, the devil's going to attack me, so I better back off. And that's something I've heard from priests and exorcists and other people I've interviewed is that the devil tries to thwart holy people, by discouraging them or attacking them when they're vulnerable like even a, a priest um, i think monsignor Rossetti talked about this too in seminary another priest i talked to was attacked by some diabolical manifestation and it caused him to to pull back on his level of devotion it caused him to regress spiritually because of the his reaction to it and that was the devil won and he admitted the devil won in that battle but then the, the priest of course you know uh, gathered himself and marched forward so the devil yeah the devil's going to come after us in a whole bunch of different ways but he's he's not always predictable because if he was too predictable then you know we'd see him coming and we would get out of the way but
0: i'm um, reminded charles frawny joining us at the front line with joe and joe and I, I you know and i say this not knowing for certain if it was a diabolical but if you ask me to bet some money which i don't have okay <laughs> I, whether or not it was diabolical i would say you're reminding me because I, I was attacked before I got I got married nine years ago. Okay. Um, and before then I, I felt like I was attacked. Um, I was not particularly I was thinking about coming back to the church. I think it's along the lines of what Joe was saying about going to Calcutta. You know, the devil could see my actions. I had gone to confession. I started to go back to mass. And I know I was attacked. All right, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, it was not a figment of my imagination. I don't have to get into the details. And my wife and I, after we got married, we, had, we, we experienced what we both thought, okay, uh, were attacks, direct attacks, okay? And I, looking back on it, I think, I think we did the right thing based on what you just said. We didn't get scared. We just doubled down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the conversations I have with my wife, which I'm sure you have with yours and Joe has with his, is honey, we have to start praying the rosary more. We need, you know, we've been a little spiritually lazy, you know. We we have to we have to pray in novena, um, you know, like and, and and different things. And guess what? You know, the dude backs off, because it, not because of anything we did, but because we're asking for divine grace. Okay, we're asking for the help of the angels and saints and Our Lady. Okay, then they're doing the work. You know, it's kind of like, you know, hey, listen, I need help. I can't keep the I can't keep these bullies off my back. Uh, But what I can do is I could double down on prayer life, double down on sacraments, double down on all that. And guess what? There's nothing to be afraid of. You don't have to worry. That's how Joe mentioned earlier. You want to punch the devil in the face? Do that. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, you reminded me in one of the interviews for for my new book, um, a family who has um, lots of kids and one kid's off in the occult. That's how I got in touch with them that they they had um, probably suffered were suffering from a curse, the, the a local priest who's an exorcist agreed with with a, kind of a mystics perspective that they were suffering from a curse because everything was going wrong in pretty much every area of their life and every kid at the same time. And they couldn't figure out what they were doing. They were they were all practicing Catholics. Mm-hmm. which is put together by La and some other exorcists. So it's a, it's a spiritual community. You do all these prayers, certain prayers every day, certain devotions. You kind of join forces and and share in each other's grace and merits. So they started doing that. And within like a couple of weeks, everything flipped, everything in their life flipped, almost like a curse had been removed. And whatever affliction was stopped and God's grace could come and and flip everything. And uh, it was remarkable the whole the whole story that they shared so we have to never give up and when never never back down out of fear always like double down back we to pray harder pray more isolation not give up into the despair and quit because we're tired i don't like praying anymore so you gonna stop doing it no pray more if you don't pray, pray times wow. as much until it, it resolves it's, it's kind of an oppression dialogue oh, like depression.
0: Yeah, yeah but Charles, I want to hand it back over to Joe. Charles Forney's is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Quick, quick uh little 20-second story. Mm-hmm. Um after I had had come back to the church and started practicing again and all that uh my cousin who's kind of funny like he's got a house full of women his whole life because he is a wife and all daughters right yeah. he's telling me cuz with the jersey accent he goes cuz i just leave the house i just go to confession like i just leave the house i just walked out i i drive down to the parish i just go and you know i, I pray to divine mercies." like uh but he said to me one time he goes cuz i believe in the devil i want to i want to beat it the- use the word crap Right. I want to beat the crap out of him, and I remember what I said is kind of what you were just saying and what we're talking about. I said, "Cause it ain't gonna happen. It's 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 just not. The only way we could do it is we just have to double down on everything." In other words, you punch him in the face by saying a prayer. So Jesse Romero recently, because I moved to Arizona, um, Jesse gave a talk a bunch of in front of a bunch of men. Um, he said, "You want to punch the devil in the face? Do the sign of the cross, pray mm-hmm. in our Father, which is a minor exorcism." It was like all these things I didn't know. And he's constantly alluding to, you know, uh, Father Roger and everything else. But I want to throw that in. It's like, if you want to punch, don't get mad at the devil. If you want to punch him in the face, pray the rosary. Joe Racinello, where are we headed?
1: Well, I guess um, talking about like, you know, doing being in combat with the devil, I guess the best way, and I'm interested in what you have to say, Charles, uh, is to be in a state of grace. Like the devil is stronger than us. He's smarter than us. He knows our weaknesses. But if we're in a state of grace, we have nothing to fear, like nothing. Um, You know, I've traveled a lot in my life. Um, I traveled, I was in South Africa, and I took a tour of um, basically a slum, and they had a witch doctor, believe it or not in the slum. Um, I'm not afraid of a witch doctor. I'm not going to dabble with the witch doctor, but as far as who the I'm not afraid because I'm a Catholic and I'm in a state of grace. I have nothing to fear. Using another travel story in India, transvestites beg in the street in traffic. And there's a superstition with them that they can put a curse on you. They would come up to me sometimes. I'd be in traffic in a cab in the back, in gridlock traffic. I'd be like, get lost. I'm not afraid. Get lost. Because I'm in a state of grace. I go to confession. I receive the Eucharist. I'm not a saint. But that is the best defense against the devil. I have nothing to fear against him. But without the grace, he'll devour me in a second. Talk about that, like what I just said about, like, uh, you know, like with regard to being bold in terms of like, I'm not afraid of the devil because I am a child of God and I'm Catholic and I'm in a state of grace.
2: Yeah, yeah, that boldness is something that I think is very much lacking uh, for so many reasons today, even, even among Catholics who do stay in a state of grace, they're, they're just cowards, whether it's the conditioning by the church, the church is in a state of cowardice too. But yeah, so if, if we're in a state of, that's the key. Exorcists say, Father Ripperker would hammer this issue. Like never, never, never sin. Never commit a mortal sin. Always stay in a state of grace. Never live. And I give that advice to my, uh, to my students for 10 years. Like if you know you have a mortal sin, cancel all your plans and get to confession. Nothing matters more. Because when, you, when you're in a state of grace, you are grafted onto Christ. You are, uh, the, the blessed Trinity dwells within you. And if the devil comes after you at that point, well, he, he won't. That's, that's one of the things. He's hesitant to attack you. Very, very, very hesitant. All the exorcists say the same thing. You are hus- you are inhospitable to him. If he comes after you and he smells great, he wants to up and run. Uh, plus, you have divine power flowing through you. So if you turn and make the sign of the cross in a state of grace, it's like this it's at the devil. It's, you know, this double-edged sword, the flaming double-edged sword, because you're in a state of grace and you make the sign of the cross with devotion. So it's not a superstition. With devotion, all sacramentals have to be used devoutly in order for their power to really be accessed, has to be done, used in union with the God who blessed it. So if we're living in a state of great humbly, um acknowledging that the the protection we have is god protecting us and not something we have done or merited just something we've cooperated with then god can flow through us and that holy boldness can come out i mean think about saint paul that's he's a great gift to the church because he's bold he tells the stories he writes with boldness he preaches with boldness he acts with boldness and we need that too especially and you you mentioned these these you go into the city and there are people trying to curse you left and right it's not a far-fetched idea that our societies may be like that in the near future if the occult is not thwarted the church isn't strengthened and people continue to become cowardice eventually we know the antichrist is going to reign that's we had a day of evil years of evil and it could be that you know it's it's spiritual warfare in the streets as i like to put it and, and we need to be in a state of grace and bold and humble at the same time
0: are we no, not seeing that now charles forney go ahead John no sorry. i was
1: going to say i think that's you you made me think of something because the church does lack the bold spirit um it's sad and and and, it, and it's everywhere um you know i i believe this if you're on the side of God, fear nothing. And that's where the, how the church should behave. The spirit of the world has entered the church. And it's like sometimes we ask for permission to be Catholic, even in Catholic circles. And if you are bold in the church, I'll be honest with you, I'll stand before anybody, the cardinal, I don't care. I'm talking about what the church teaches. I don't care what your opinion is, to be completely honest with you, because I'm on the side of the church. And we have to have that mentality. Too many people, priests, they're afraid. They don't want to say, like, what the church teaches. No. And you know something? Let the chips fall where they may. I remember when Father Karapi got into trouble. And he and he was being attacked by the bishops, all this craziness. And I talked to a very holy uh, nun, Sister Carmel. She was an MC. She was like really old, super prayerful. I was telling her about it and she goes, he shouldn't say anything because God will defend him. If you're on the side of right and you speak the truth, no one. Can stand in front of you. So, you know, I always think, and I'm I'm ranting, but but uh what's it called? Joan of I Bar- love
0: your rants, Joe Russin. I Joan love, of Arc
1: your- couldn't read and write, she was illiterate, and she stood before the entire church, and she they tried to call her a heretic and they couldn't condemn her. All the smart people in the whole church, she was illiterate. We have to have that spirit. No. This is what the church teaches. I don't care what your title is; it's not my opinion either, because who the heck am I? And that's what is lacking in the church.
0: Well, I love I love Charles's comments. I'll piggyback off that, Charles, and I love your comments on this. Um, and again, you know us, Charles. I mean, we're on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We have nothing respect for the bishops. Okay, we know who we are. We know who they are. But to respectfully maybe re- request a little bit more boldness is it, is it, you know um, you know out of bounds, so to speak. Okay. I'm of the opinion and Joe's of the opinion that if Catholics in America, starting with the hierarchy, all right, and right down through the priesthood and the clergy, if in every diocese, and every parish, the church clearly stated its teaching on all these things that affect all Americans, not just Catholics, whether it's abortion, whether it's transgenderism, whether it's gay marriage, all of it. okay, if they actually did that, you wouldn't need the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. Mm. You wouldn't you wouldn't need any of that because people would say, get the hell out of here. What are you talking about? it's because they, because they hear it all the time. The problem is they're, they're hearing it from guys like us. They're hearing it from many people out there, okay? Um, but the fact is if the church was as bold as she should be, particularly the hierarchy in America, guess what? I don't think you'd have to wait too long for the culture and the spiritual of America because the and all that feeds into our lack of, 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 of a real, you know, deep spirituality. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think, um, like I just had the, it, yeah, so many bishops are, uh, there are some, I should say, that are public. Like we have Bishop Strickland, who's, um, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. Fantastic. So, yeah, he, he does a lot. He makes a lot of statements. One of the things you said made me think that, uh, so there, it's a gamble. I think Bishop C does a gamble. I know I've been hearing from a lot of priests that good priests are being asked to be bishops and are saying no today because there's no defense. There's no backup. If they were to go up against the culture and defend the church, defend the church against the church. They would have no backup. They'd be yanked. They'd be silenced. They'd be um, um, sidelined by the other bishops. So this is a very sad reality because it's kind of a gamble for the bishops that are in place. Because if they, if they do what you said, which is very easy to do, and uh, embolden the whole church and their par- and their parishes and their dioceses, you would either have a massive flow of grace and conversions in the area, or you would stir up a real spiritual war in your area.
0: Charles, I I, I need to cut in for a second. But that 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 what would you call it? That ambivalence, that maybe that certain level of fear. Okay, but as Joe just said, but if you have the grace of Jesus Christ, you you have nothing to fear. So I, I and again I'm not I I, I, don't, I I'm not a cleric. Okay, I'm I, I'm I'm not a priest. I'm not a bishop. I understand fear. Okay, but if you're in that position and you have Christ and you're in state of grace, you fear nothing. You, even to the point of your own life or losing your own life, I, I, am I off in that, Charles?
2: No, unfortunately, you see the the um, example of the hierarchy all the way up to the top is to compromise with the world. You don't have uh, in on public display these early church martyr bishops who were willing to be thrown to the lions uh, because of the truth, who are ready to lay. So we're too comfortable. One priest told me that, um, that we are we're easy prey for the devil We're easy prey for this malicious culture, because we have too much to lose the materialistic culture. Right now, we have too much stuff, too much comfort, too much security. And if we were to say too much, we would, we have a lot to lose and we're not willing to lose it. We're not willing to lose our comforts. It's almost like we, we don't have a supernatural vision anymore, even in the church, even bishops, like we need some, I was going to say, we need some bloodshed, but that's not, that's not the right. We need martyrs. We need to see, um, Martyrdom, what what's the expression that the, the, blood of the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church right It's almost like you know people say a chastisement is coming some kind of punishment is coming if the a chastisement included martyrdom that would that would refresh the church that would give new life to the church For us to see a bishop lay down his life and his blood for the truth against a malicious diabolical culture like ours that would set us on fire in a good way well, but that- without that we're risking risking
0: the opposite. I think that's where I think that's honestly where we come in. Um, if if you're mm-hmm. not going to charge the hill, then we will, okay. And we're married men with kids. I'm glad jobs. you said that because but, you know Joe, we have a couple minutes left, so go ahead.
1: You know, we started this venture four years ago, and believe me, I mean I don't know if you follow us or not. We talk a lot and say some pretty <laughs> bold things on the show yeah. as well as in our social media. I could lose my job. I have been tried. I've been doxxed. And I have my work on this network has been reviewed by my company. Mm. So, and I'm still here. So my point is this, I trust God. I trust God. I have five kids under eight. I Mm. need to work, but he will take care of me because I'm trying to take care of him.
0: Joe, uh, Charles Forani, quick comment on that for about 30 seconds. We're coming up on the end.
1: Yeah.
2: That's, I mean, we're all married men here with kids. So there's, uh, we have a lot to lose if God were to call us to be bold and, and uh, as we are being bold, but we have to surrender divine providence. When I had my conversion 22 years ago, our Lord revealed his name to me essentially as divine providence surrender and I will provide. And he's been faithful to that ever since 22 years. So we have to absolutely, we have to trust him.
0: Well, that's, and and when we pray to the chaplain of the divine mercy, that's what we say, Jesus, I trust in you. We have to ask ourselves, do we mean that? Do we live in our lives with that radical trust? Charles, uh, the Slaying Dragons apostolate, um, people can find that online to know what you guys are doing?
2: Yeah, I'm still, as I'm working on this next book, I'm kind of distracted by the book from other things. But yeah, if you Google um, theretreatbox.com, theslayingdragonsbook.com, that's my blog. Um, Slaying Dragons Press is another name that you might see up. I think I'm going to revamp some things in the near future just to get get more public get more organized so i can do more but the slaying dragons apostolate is at my youtube channel which hopefully with this new book coming I have interviews i'm going to be posting so um subscribe wherever you can follow me um so you can hear the news of new books and things
0: absolutely we encourage everybody to do so this is a great conversation charles forney thanks for joining us at the front line with joe and joe you're always welcome here brother you know that And thank you all out there at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app and share it with your friends. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.